In the year 1973, a film was released that would change the world as we knew it. This film was known as the most horrifying thing ever to be displayed on the silver screen. It had people fleeing their local theater in terror. It kept them up at night with anxiety and fear. Ladies and gentlemen, the film I am talking about is of course, The Exorcist. The film which was based off the novel written by William Peter Blatty followed a terrifying incident which involved a priest, a mother, and her possessed daughter. One of the most interesting things about this film is that it was one of the first to ever incorporate subliminal messages. Throughout the movie, single frames of a horrific demonic face would flash across the screen. Most people never even noticed the face at first. That's only until it would appear later in their dreams. They claimed they had no idea why they were having nightmares about this specific demonic face. It wasn't until more people came out claiming they had dreams about that same face after seeing The Exorcist. This would of course be a result of the subliminal messaging put into the film by its director, William Friedkin. However, in some cases, it is the horrific stories of reality that truly leave their mark on the world and inspire stories such as The Exorcist. The story I'm going to be discussing today is The Exorcism of Annalise Mitchell. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering Creepy Town. Now, our story begins in West Germany, September 21st, 1952. Anna and Joseph Mitchell birthed their daughter, who they named Annalise. They would raise Annalise in a strict Roman Catholic household where they would attend Mass at least two times a week. The family revolved their lives around religion, and as some of us know, being taught religious beliefs and values from such a young age can have a profound impact on one's life, either in a positive light or a very dark one. Other than that, they lived a fairly normal life. Annalise would go to school, make friends, and would do everything that a girl of her age normally would do. Her classmates did, however, recall her as being extremely withdrawn and very religious. It wouldn't be until she reached the age of 16 where her life would take a turn for the worse. Annalise suffered from a severe convulsion, or seizure, and was immediately diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy. Annalise would suffer another seizure, which would result in her parents putting her into a psychiatric hospital. In the month of June 1970, she would suffer a third seizure while at the hospital. Doctors would then prescribe an anticonvulsant drug for her called Dilatin, the drug ultimately would not work in her specific case. Shortly after, she would claim to have seen horrific satanic faces throughout the day. When hearing about this, the doctors put her on another drug called Aolept. Aolept is often used to treat various forms of psychosis, including schizophrenia, weird uncomfortable behavior, and oftentimes delusions. Three years later, her condition worsened. She fell into a deep depression, and at the same time, she began experiencing strange hallucinations. 
Most of these hallucinations would occur at times when she would be praying. Annalise then claimed that she would constantly hear voices that were telling her that she was damned and that she was going to rot in hell. None of the doctor's treatments seemed to help Annalise. Her condition did not improve and her depression grew stronger and stronger. After five years of taking various medications and seeing no improvement on her condition, Annalise became very angry, especially with sacramental objects such as the crucifix. She would snarl and scream when she would enter a room and one would be on the wall. She would cuss and violently say the Lord's name in vain, all of which was completely out of her character. A family friend of the Mitchells would soon take Annalise to an Italian Catholic commune in San Damiano, which is where it was concluded that she was suffering from a demonic possession. They came to this conclusion because she refused to walk through a door under a crucifix, and she refused to drink water from a holy spring. Father Ernest Alt, a priest in San Damiano at the time, said, and this is his quote, Annalise told me, and Sister Hine confirmed this, that she was unable to enter the shrine. She approached it with great hesitation, then said that the soil burned her like fire and she simply could not stand it. She then walked around the shrine in a wide arc and tried to approach it from the back. She looked at the people who were kneeling in the area surrounding the little garden, and it seemed to her that while praying, they were gnashing their teeth. She got as far as the edge of the little garden. Then she had to turn back. Coming from the front again, she had to advert her glance from the picture of Christ. She made it several times to the garden but could not get past it. She also noted that she could no longer look at medals or pictures of saints. They sparkled so immensely that she could not stand it. Now that will end his quote. The Mitchell family would ask for Annalise's demons to be exorcised, all of whom would reject to do so, for seeking medical treatment seemed to be a more logical approach to her condition. And as her condition worsened, she began to pick up habits such as drinking her own urine and eating insects. On a daily basis, Annalise would have visions of demons. She would throw objects violently across the room and would even growl in a deep and guttural tone. It was Father Alt who convinced the local bishop to finally allow an exorcism. In 1979, Annalise would write a letter to Father Alt saying, I am nothing. Everything about me is vanity. What should I do? I have to improve. You pray for me. I want to suffer for other people, but this is cruel. In September of 1975, Bishop Joseph Stengel granted the priest Arnold Renz to conduct the exorcism of Annalise Mitchell. The first session took place on September 24th, 1975. During the sessions, Annalise would scream, curse, and yell in a deep voice that did not appear to be her own. She was violent. She would throw things and contort her body to concede its physical capabilities. Annalise Mitchell would go through a total of 67 exorcism sessions, each of which would last about four hours long, and this would go on for a period of two times a week in the span of about 10 months. During that time, Annalise stopped eating. 
She lost an extreme amount of weight to the point where she was beyond recognition. Now, here is the only known audio recordings of these exorcisms. And as a fair warning, um, I'd like to just say that these are very disturbing. So if you're listening to this with young ones or you're just easily disturbed, first of all, if you're easily disturbed at stuff like this, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, uh, but this is very, very disturbing audio. It's very, very uncomfortable to listen to, uh, especially when you know that the voice coming from this uh, is from a young girl. So listen with caution. This is the exorcism of Annalise Mitchell. Yeah, I was also for the other people to come to me. But that it's so schlimm is and so grausam and so furchtbar. No. It's not that it's so leicht to have. It's not that it's so leicht to have. It's not that it's so leicht to have. It's not
On July 1st, 1976, Annalise Mitchell passed away from malnutrition and dehydration. This was due to being in a semi-starvation state for nearly a year while these exorcisms occurred. Upon her death, the 23-year-old girl weighed only 68 pounds. Her parents, along with Father Alt and Father Renz, were charged with negligent homicide, for her death could have been prevented if sought proper medical care. Her parents and the priests were given three years of probation, as well as a fine as their punishment. So that pretty much sums up the tragic story of Annalise Mitchell. And it's a story that has inspired the exorcist, uh, the exorcism of Emily Rose. That one I think is solely based off of this case. And it's very sad because this, is, this does not have a happy ending. Uh, exorcist does not come in, exorcise the demon, and everybody lives happily ever after. I think we have to look at the science behind this this case to really understand what's going on. Is there really a, a demon that's possessing a young girl? Is there a demon that... Do demons really even exist? Uh, it's, it's very hard to say, and I don't think anybody can say, because nobody really knows for sure unless you have faith in religion. And if you're a religious person, then you probably do believe in demons. Yeah, but in this specific case, we have to look deep into the facts and the evidence. So I think how this podcast is going to go on from now is I'm going to have a story in the beginning. Uh, the story is going to be about uh, whatever creepy thing, whether it's an exorcism, whether it's about a creepy doll, a creepy haunted doll, or a mythical creature or something like that, or a murder. I'm going to discuss the story in the beginning, and then we will move on and do a little analysis afterwards. And then I will read uh, listener-submitted stories, which I do not have any of yet. So if you're listening to this and you just have a story with any story that you can think of, if it has anything related to creepiness, weirdness, scariness, if it's a ghost story one night you went camping and you thought you heard Bigfoot or if you think you saw aliens in the sky it doesn't matter how long it is actually if it's if it's a written story I'd prefer it to be like a max five pages long that's max that's as long as I'm willing to read on a podcast but remember you could also uh, record yourself whether it's on the voice memos app on your phone or whatever recording app or if you have a recording um uh, program on your computer you can use that just record yourself telling the story it doesn't i don't it doesn't have to sound perfect perfect or anything like that uh convert it into an mp3 which will reduce the file size so it can easily be sent via email wrap that up and then send it to me uh in an email um the email for this podcast is creepytownpodcast at gmail.com someone already had creepy town i was very very upset when i found that out yeah, this is a, a low energy podcast. You can listen to it when you fall asleep or working out, driving, anything. Just, this is a very low energy podcast. I'm told I have a very, very smooth and relaxing radio voice. So 
that's it. Let's get into it. So we have this girl, Annalise Mitchell. This all took place in the 60s, 70s, late 60s, early 70s to mid-70s. Um, she suffered from a couple convulsions or seizures, if you will. Now, I am quite familiar with epilepsy. I have people very close to me that are epileptic. So I know um, a person will be diagnosed with epilepsy if they have two or more seizures that are unexplained, like they weren't caused from anything. You know, you weren't hit on the head and you started to have a seizure or anything like that. They're all just random seizures. And once a person has two seizures uh, that go unexplained, then that person will be diagnosed with epilepsy. And there's all kinds of epilepsy, all forms of epilepsy um, that affect all various parts of the brain and some cases you can have tonic clonic seizures which are the ones that you would see that are often portrayed in film and television where someone falls on the ground and starts shaking violently but the reality is, is that almost never happens sometimes i mean some cases yeah there are people that suffer from those but it's often over dramatized in film and television most of the time uh, seizures it's hard to even tell if someone is having a seizure because a lot of people don't recognize what it looks like thanks to television and film but this particular form of epilepsy that um annalise was suffering from temporal lobe epilepsy uh, is very very uh it's very very particular and strange especially in this case uh when you're dealing with somebody who's acclaimed to be uh, possessed by a demon who's having visions and hallucinations and she's acting sporadic and, and completely out of her character. So I'm on epilepsy.com. If you or a loved one is suffering from epilepsy, this is the, the base. This is the hub of epilepsy and all epilepsy information. So what is temporal lobe epilepsy? I'm on the website and I'm going to read for you this brief um, explanation of what temporal lobe epilepsy is. And this is the the same type of epilepsy that uh, Annalise Mitchell had. So let's read this. So starting right now. The features of seizures beginning in the temporal lobe can be extremely varied, but certain patterns are common. There may be a mixture of different feelings, emotions, thoughts, and experiences which may be familiar or completely foreign. In some cases, a series of old memories resurface. In others, the person may feel as if everything, including home and family, appears strange. Hallucinations of voices, music, people, smells, or tastes may occur. These features are called auras or warnings. They may last for just a few seconds or may continue as long as a minute or two. Experiences during temporal lobe seizures vary in intensity and quality. Sometimes the seizures are so mild that the person barely notices. In other cases, the person may be consumed with fright, intellectual fascination, or even pleasure. The experiences and sensations that accompany these seizures are often impossible to describe, even for the most eloquent adult. And of course, it is even more difficult to get an accurate picture of what people are feeling. 
So if you were to ask me, um, do you really believe that Annalise Mitchell was possessed by a demon, causing her to become extremely malnourished, uh, which would eventually lead to her death? I would say that is very unlikely in this specific case. We have someone who is suffering from temporal uh, lobe seizures, um, which many of the symptoms of temporal lobe seizures can, I guess, resemble or look like something else is going on. In this case, she was talking a lot about demonic stuff. She was saying she's seeing demonic faces, hearing demonic voices, and they were telling her to that she was going to rot in hell, and all this horrific and horrific stuff. But then at the same time, we have to remember that this is a girl who was brought up in an extreme religious household. So her parents probably uh, already put the fear of God into her, and that's all they probably talked about was the devil, hell, all this stuff. And it's also a sign, not a good sign, when your parents go to the church for help instead of uh, modern medicine or the hospital or doctors. And that is eventually what led to uh, her death. She was not being medically treated for her condition. They put all of their faith into the exorcist, um, Father Renz. And after 10 months of four-hour sessions, two times a week, uh, they had uh, no progress. And at this point, I'm not sure if she was still on uh, anti-seizure medication or anti-convulsant medication while the exorcisms were uh, taking place. Um, But if you ask me, this was just a mistreatment of of a condition that could have been treated in maybe eventually cured. So I I do not think that this uh, young woman was possessed by any demons. I think this is a result of bad parenting um, and bad judgment by the Catholic Church because the, the exorcisms were ordered in complete secrecy. So when something is ordered in complete secrecy, it is a little shady, as most of us would know. So she died when she was 68 pounds. She lost, I would say that's maybe half of her body weight. And if you go into Google Images and you just type in Annalise Mitchell, um, it's spelled A-N-N-E-L-I-E-S-E, and Mitchell is M-I-C-H-E-L. You will see pictures of her during the time of when she was going through all of the exorcisms, and they are... They are horrific. You just feel so bad for the girl. And a lot of the pictures are her when she was young and healthy compared to her at the end of her life when she weighed almost nothing and she just looks completely out of it. There's no life behind her eyes. And you can see her skeleton uh, through her skin. There's no meat on her bones and she can barely stand. And her eyes are just dark she has black eyes both of them and it's very very haunting and very very um, horrific Um, so she died at the age of 23 which is the age of me at the moment of the recording of this podcast i'm 23 years old so i can relate to her she was she was a very very uh, beautiful girl 
and it's very, very sad to see what she became due to the treatment that her parents and the Catholic Church provided her. Now, I'm not here saying that all demonic possessions are false and that it's all for show or fake or just it's all crazy people. I'm, I just don't know. I would have to see it to believe it or it would have to happen to me. I would have to be the one possessed by a demon to really believe it. And I'm that crazy person that will uh, you know, provoke demons. I bought a Ouija board and I sat here at, in my uh, room when I first bought it alone and it was dark and I had candles lit and I played creepy music and I was talking to the Ouija board, asking it to possess me for a demon to come up from the Ouija board and possess me, but nothing unfortunately happens. So I am still a skeptic till this day. But I really, like, if you got the guts for this, go and look up Annalise Mitchell. Just look at her pictures and, you know, she's extremely beautiful. Such a, such an unfortunate thing to happen to her. And then, like I said, I think the the film adaptation uh, of her life is The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which I saw when it first came out, but I have no recollection of it. I don't remember anything that happens in the movie. I might go check it out again after this podcast. So that's what I think of the Annalise Mitchell story. And I do think it's a disgrace that uh, her parents and the priests that were involved in this case only received like three years of um, whatever they got, house arrest or whatever it was, community service. I think that's disgusting. I think they originally were sentenced uh, jail time, like two years or some jail time or something like that, but it was reduced to three years probation. So I think they should have been put to death. But that's just me. If you treat your child like this and refuse to give them medical treatment, and you know they're dying, you can see them dying, and you're not taking taking them to a hospital... It's you maybe not death, maybe that's too extreme, but you should definitely have there should definitely be more and stronger repercuss- repercussions to, to this. And that's my opinion. And I would love to hear your opinion on this story. Was she really possessed by a demon or was this just all the result of her parents not uh, not seeking a correct help? And you can tell me what you think by following uh, the Creepy Town Podcast Instagram account. That's at Creepy Town Podcast. No spaces. And this, it's, I'm not really just talking about stuff that I'm sharing on the podcast on that Instagram account. I'm also posting weird, creepy, and strange images from, from history. Um, Some of the darkest stuff that I can find on the internet, I'm posting on there. So I'd love to discuss it with you guys. We got uh, photographic evidence of time travelers and there's uh, a mad scientist who tried to create a two-headed dog and just weird and creepy stuff that I find from history. I'm going to upload it. I upload um, every day and I love talking to the people that do interact with me that question what i post uh, bring it on dude i just posted i think yesterday a picture of this girl she's at a red box inside of a grocery store and for some reason her head is like in an unnatural 
position and she's looking straight up at this at the ceiling but her head is like bent all the way back as if she's trying to make the top of her head touch her spine and it's it's probably i ain't gonna lie it's probably fake i ain't gonna lie but it's very creepy and this is creepy town right so if it's creepy i'll post it and you know who cares if it's fake or real that's for us to debate right so go ahead and follow at creepy town podcast on instagram i'm not i don't have a twitter yet maybe i'll make a twitter in the future i'm not a big fan of twitter even on my personal account the the most i use twitter uh, for is going on there just to see what's trending or if something crazy happens in the world i go on twitter and just see what people are saying about it um, other than that i don't like tweeting i don't you know i just don't like it that much i much prefer instagram which will be the main hub for creepy town so go follow at Creepy Town Podcast and let me know that you listen. And if you do have a story, I said earlier in the episode, if you have a story from your personal life or something you heard or anything like that, whether you saw a ghost when you were a child or you saw a doll move and say something or your family suffered from a haunting or a loved one died and you somehow communicated with them, whatever it uh, may be, write up the story or record yourself saying it and I will play it live on the pod. Well, not live, but you know, I'll play it on the podcast and we'll discuss it. And there's no judgment here, no judgment. And since this is a, uh, a family-friendly show, I'd like to reduce the amount of explicit material included in, in the stories. Um, but if you can't help it, then uh, then so be it. Other than that, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. This is episode two. And I'm also going to be releasing um, some episodes from the Paranormal Hour, which is another podcast. Uh, pretty much the same thing as this podcast, but on a different feed that podcast had about five episodes and i loved each episode that i um, produced on that series and i'm going to be releasing them re-releasing them releasing re-releasing them on this feed um i'll do a little intro before the episode starts to explain why they're on this feed but they're not going to be considered creepy town episodes they're just going to be like repost yeah repost is more of the right word to use there there's gonna be reposts from the paranormal hour and i love i love those episodes i I put a lot of work into those episodes um there's the life and murders of jeffrey dahmer that's a two-part series i think each podcast episode is like 40 minutes or something like that um if you love serial killer stuff listen to that and then there's one on um evps electronic voice phenomenons which is you know what you catch ghosts on like when they're talking you hear like evp i don't know how to explain it's just ghosts on audio you're hearing them that's what an evp is no big deal so i did one on that and i think it was like celebrity ghosts um celebrity ghost evps that i included in there so that was a very interesting episode so i checked that one out. i don't even remember what other ones i have but there's like four or five of them, and I'll put them on this feed. And by now, when you're listening to this, it should be on iTunes or it will be on iTunes within a couple of days. For some reason, when you start a new uh, SoundCloud account, which is the host for this podcast, it doesn't recognize that, or well, other 
podcasting sites like Stitcher, iTunes don't recognize that you have anything in your feed until you have more than one episode. So that's why it hasn't been on iTunes yet, because I only have one episode out in Stitcher and iTunes is not recognizing that I have any tracks on my show, even though the first episode has been out for a week. It's just it's just frustrating. Um, but once this goes up, then it should recognize that it is a real podcast feed and we're kicking and ricking and sticking to it. So thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. And I hope everybody has a great week. Um, you can find me at Creepy Town Podcast on Instagram. And thank you very much for listening. You're now leaving Creepy Town.